This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have Bob Stromberg in the studio with us. Bob, how you doing? I am doing great. Thanks, Brett. Awesome. Well, it's great to uh, great to have you on the show. And uh, for those of you that may not know who Bob is, uh, he is an award-winning comic. He's an actor. He's a playwright. He's a corporate speaker. He's a songwriter. And the one my kids are going to love, Bob, is I didn't know this until we started <laughs> doing research because I never get to see the face with the hands but you're the shadow master. That's right. I'm the shadow master. <laughs> the shadow master. My kids, they don't care about the other stuff, right? They just want to know who the shadow master is. And honestly, I can tell you, my, my oldest is 12. I got four boys. And uh, I can't tell you how many times at, at bedtime we'll pull up one of those videos and uh, and watch one of those. And it's always got great sounds and or great songs. And the kids love the hand stuff you do. So I feel like I know you. I had a lot of fun this uh, this last summer. I had the chance to go out to uh, L.A. and and do uh, Steve Harvey's show, which was yeah. he did he did a spinoff of his uh, Little Big Shot show uh, called Forever Young, uh, in which all of the artists had to be uh, older than sixty, and so I did qualify for that. I, I was on, <laughs> I was on the way low end, fortunately, but I did qualify, and it was just great fun to uh, to, to have that opportunity to do my shadows there. And then for those of you listening, you just go look it up, Bob Stromberg and uh, on that show with Steve Harvey, because I saw that and it is hilarious. And I, and and Steve Harvey's always funny. And so uh, you guys did a good job on that part. So so why don't you just kind of take our, our listeners through the journey, if you will, of who Bob, Bob Stromberg is and uh, what's made you the man you are today? A few months ago, I was uh, digging through some old boxes uh, in my cellar, and I, I came across a calendar, a work calendar from 1975. That gives you an idea of, of my okay. age. I'm, I'm actually 65 years old now. Okay. And I came uh, 1975, and the date uh, that I, I opened it up to, the, the present date, which was September 15th. And I realized, looking at that calendar, this was a couple of years ago, so it was in, in uh, 2015, I realized that I had been doing what I do. I had been self-employed as a uh, performing artist, as a writer, as a, uh, again, a songwriting, uh, mainly uh, live performance, uh, mainly solo work. Uh, but I had been doing it for 40 years as of that date. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is like this is a pretty big anniversary. That I saw that on September fifteenth, nineteen seventy-five. It was my first professional uh, booking. Wow! And I came up uh, into the kitchen and I showed it to my wife and I said, Judy, look at this. This is a big deal. We've we've done this now for forty years. And she said, huh. And that was the extent of our celebration. Right there. <laughs> it's like, yep. I thought get, I was going to get more there. <laughs> it's like, get, get back to work. Yeah. But I've been, uh, I've been doing what I do um, as a, a comic, as a storyteller. And I use different words like this because I've kind of reinvented myself a number of times uh, through this uh, 40-year period. But I've been doing it now, totally self-employed uh, for 40 years. Which, And I realized that's a pretty... 
that's a pretty remarkable thing. Um, I don't know a lot of people who have done that. I do. I do have a couple friends uh, close to my age. One guy who's a bit older who has done it all of all of his career. But it's difficult work, obviously, to uh, to stay busy and to to stay em- employed when you're doing it by yourself. Let me interrupt you real quick, too. And I think the, uh, something that's a big deal there. Somebody just said this on the podcast the other day. I'm this way. I've been doing it for 40 years, but. Um, you've never had a quote unquote paycheck, right? You've had a, an earned check is what I would like to call it. You've earned every dime you've made over the last 40 years. That is absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So sorry, I interrupted you. I just thought that was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. So uh, that got me thinking, Brett. Okay. Well, how have I done this? Uh, and you know, at, at this age, uh, you, I, I really do find myself feeling like I, I want to leave. I want to leave something. I don't want to leave. I'm, I'm not famous. I, I I don't have a desire. I've never had a desire to be famous, except to the extent that it's kept me busy. Um, a degree of fame has helped in that way from time to time. But I don't have a desire to be, I'm not going to be remembered. None of us are going to be remembered beyond a generation or so. So I, I don't have any uh, illusions about that. But I do want to leave something of value. I feel like as I've been working day to day, and as like tonight, I'm going into the theater to do uh, one of my, my plays that I've been doing for a number of years now with two other guys. And people will laugh hard tonight. And that that makes me feel really good. And I, I'm, I stand on stage in that part of my mind that, you know, I'm talking, I'm doing my lines, I'm playing my part. And yet there's a part of my mind that's going, oh, thank you that I can be doing this for these people. Look at the laughter. Look how they're laughing. And I feel like I'm giving something of value to people. Uh, But I would like that to continue even beyond myself. So I started thinking, well, what is it that I've done for 40 years that has kept me busy where other people haven't been able to do it? And I realized that I have been um, utilizing creativity every step of the way. I often was doing it intuitively. I often didn't know what the process was, but I had been using creativity all of these years. And then I started to think, well, what is creativity then? What what have I been doing? Can I decipher this? Can I share this with others? And I realized that, that indeed I could do that. It's fascinating. And so uh, one of my questions is going to be for you is, but early on, right, the early days, year one, two, five, eight, when it wasn't going as probably well as it is now and you weren't having, you know, a, a crowd full of people, what, what kept you going? What, what was the drive during the difficult times? Well, actually, uh, I gave it at the very beginning when I was, uh, oh, I guess I was 20, 21 when we, when we started into this. I said to my wife, why don't we give it three years? Let's see if it's possible to make a living doing what I would actually love doing instead of going out and applying for jobs. I didn't, I, I would be happy to do that, but I wanted to try to do what I really love, which is which was so uniquely me. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have any people to follow. I didn't have anybody mentoring me in this. Like, how can I do this? And so I just started knocking on doors to see if I could get somebody to hire me to allow me to come and perform. Lots of schools uh, back in those days. I'm knocking on. Can I come and do a? Can I do an assembly program at your school? Can I come and speak at your meeting? Uh, well, what do you speak on? What do you do? <laughs> what do you need? Because I knew that I was going to try to use my humor and what was natural to me to to do to uh, 
meet their needs to help them to have communicated whatever they needed to have communicated. And so uh, that that led me into this thing where I had to craft my material in order to meet their needs. And it took off remarkably fast. But I, w- originally we said three years because I knew if it was only a year, uh, that's not enough to get going. I knew if it was right. two years after one year, I'd start to slide. But if it's three years, that's a long enough time that this is going to be tough, but let's give it three years. And fortunately, it, it did take off pretty quickly. But what kept me going was this desire to, I, I want to do what I was made to do. And I really felt like this is what I was made to do. This is from the time I was a young boy. I knew that this was it. I was able to make my parents laugh. I was able to make my friends laugh. Um, And I would have been, uh, my greatest aspirations as as a young boy was to be the class clown. I would have absolutely (laughs) loved to have been the class clown, but my dad was the principal. So that was impossible for me. Those aspirations. That doesn't go over well. Oh, it did not go well at all. And I learned that early on. So I, I kind of had to hold myself back until I got to college and then and then on beyond that. But I realized this is what really drives me, this desire to be creative and this desire to perform and, and to help people to laugh and to tell these stories. And uh, that that kept me going through the tough times. It's still, frankly, honestly, Brett, it still keeps me going right. because there's no end to this. You know, I we've often said now, my wife and I have said, you know, we expected by the time I was 65 that we could, if we wanted to, we could sort of sit back and relax a little bit. But I'm realizing, well, no, apparently not. I have to, I'm still working. Um, I still want to work. Um, I get a little more tired than I once was. Uh, I don't, I don't feel like I did in my forties, but I feel like I have a great deal to offer that I wasn't aware of then. So, uh, that's the adventure of life, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And did you spend a lot of time back then? I mean, even as a kid and, and, and even to now, I mean, did you spend a lot of time thinking, I mean, writing, journaling, uh, dreaming. I mean, what, what was that process like? Yeah, I, I sure did. Um, and that, that really, as I reflected back upon that, that led me to figure out for me, what is this process of creativity? I call it the craft of creativity. What is this craft of creativity that I can teach to others? Um, you know, creative people, I really believe are joyful and excited people because they're they're fulfilling an innate desire to create. It's woven into all of our genes. To that degree, creativity is a gift that we all have. But we're not born creative. Uh, I have people say to me often, you know, uh, I'm I'm not creative. I, you know, my brother's the creative one, or my sister's the creative one. I, I couldn't create something to save my life. To which I say, well, you're probably right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you think that, if you you're probably something. right. Yeah, you know yourself better than I do. So, uh, but here's the deal: you used to be, when you were a baby, one day you rolled uh, from your front onto your back, and you couldn't wait to try it again. And then a few weeks later, a month later, you got up on your knees and you rocked back and forth for a day. Or so that was thrilling. And then you learned how to crawl. And then you learned if you did that thing with your nose, you could make your parents laugh. And you piled blocks and you held crayons in your hand and. Uh, and you colored with them, or in, in the case of my my four year old son, uh, who is now an artist, by the way, you found the pink magic marker and colored in all the white flowers on our on the new couch. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> Which was, that was an exciting moment in our family, yes, as I recall. So, so we used to be, but then something happens to us, and I really believe it happens during those early school years. 
Um, we learn in school, at least in our Western culture, we learn in school that we have to give the one right answer to the question. We have to write the one right word in that space. We have to write the uh, one correct number at the bottom of that, that problem, have to circle the one correct multiple choice. And it gets harder and harder to experience uh, the gift of creativity that we're born with, with because creativity does not work that way. And I'm talking, I'm, I'm not only talking to artists here, I'm talking to anybody. I'm talking about business people. I'm talking to CEOs. Creativity is not about finding the one correct answer. Creativity is about playfully trying many possible correct answers. That's what creativity is. So with us, the gift is still there. It never goes away. It's woven into who we are as human beings, but we can't open it up anymore because we've been trained by our culture that you have to have the right answer. Uh, and creativity, it does not work that way. That's where it's helpful to think about creativity, not as a gift, but to think of it as a craft that can be mastered, that you can get better and better and better at it by practicing the fundamentals of the, of the craft. That's great. And so do you, I mean, today, obviously you probably still do that, right? So what's that process look like for you? Are you sitting down with a, you and a notebook and getting creative or do you have a process yep. for, it, or is it just whenever it happens, it happens? Uh, well, it does, it, it does happen by itself, but the only reason it happens by itself is because I've created a habit of, of doing it. And habits are, you know, we think often think about habits as bad things, uh, but habits are, are really oh, they're, wonderfully, yeah, they're, they're wonderfully dependent and they're, they're always there for you. Uh, so I've created a neural pathway, which is a, a habit. Uh, and so creativity is, does seem to happen all by itself, but it's really because I I'm doing it. Here's the process uh, as, uh, as I have discovered, uh, we grab whatever grabs us emotionally. That's the first step. Then, and when I say grab, I mean, as you just suggested, we write it down. When something grabs us emotionally, any emotion from, from something that makes us want to cry to laugh out loud and or to be angry or to be any, any emotional response, something that grabs us that we see or read or we hear, we, we, we grab it, we write it down. Usually it's just a sentence or even sometimes a, a few words. They don't mean anything, Brett, what we just grabbed. They don't mean a thing. They're, it's not an idea. It's just, oh, well, it did grab me, so I'm writing it down. That's the first step. Then we interrogate it. We come back to that list of, of uh, uh, items that we've grabbed, and some of them will jump, will continue to jump out at us. And when I say jump out, they'll continue to, to have a small emotional tug. And when we feel that, then we interrogate those things, and we say, why do you keep grabbing? Why do I want to keep coming back to you? What could you be? Are, are you a story in my book? Are you a character? Are you a play? Are you, what are you? How can I use you? Are you an illustration in this corporate talk that I'm, I'm going to do? How can I use what's grabbing me about you? And then artists experience, and I believe anybody who's being creative, I've, uh, I'm an artist, so I come at it from that perspective, but anybody who is incorporating creativity into, into their work, which they should be doing, they experience what's called the aha moment. Like, oh, there it is. I know what I can, oh, I know what I can do with you. And that aha moment specifically is the moment that a thought that you've grabbed becomes an idea 
that you can use. Thoughts are not actionable. You've written down thoughts in this, this grab list that you have. They're not actionable. They just are, they're just thoughts. When they become an idea, now they're actionable. Now you can do something with them. And that's the third step. So you grab, you interrogate, and then once it becomes an idea, then you transform it into whatever it's supposed to be, whether it's this new marketing plan or whether it's a new uh, uh, advertising campaign or whether it's or whatever it is. And so let's also talk about I heard somewhere you talked about worry and you, you gave a story about James Taylor, your favorite oh, uh, yeah. you know, guy there. And so tell us about that. You know what? I just saw that it was, uh, um, I had these, uh, one words that I've done for, uh, uh, several years now, which are just one minute, uh, meditations on a word. Um, James Taylor was, uh, was, uh, uh talking to Charlie Rose on his show, which is no longer on, but it was for <laughs> years. And Charlie, uh, said, James, would you change anything? And I'm a huge James Taylor fan. I've loved his work. And obviously, I've, we've all known that James has had some problems in his life. I mean, he had a, yep. a, a very public divorce. He was a heroin addict. I mean, he's still a recovering addict. And so he deals with that his entire life. I mean, that's never going to go away. But life has been tough in many ways. Um, but he didn't even mention changing any of those things. He said to Charlie, he said, if I had known that things were going to work out so well, I would have enjoyed everything a whole lot more. And I thought, man, that, that just grabbed me because if you are worrying about the future, you are destroying the present. That's the reality. Uh, because we aren't meant to live in the future. We, we can enjoy the past, remembering it. And, and by the way, that is a tremendous resource to go back in terms of what you want to grab Go back and, and remember your past, mine, mine it, M-I-N-E, mine your past for, for thoughts that grab you that can become great ideas that you can create uh, and transform. Uh, but we can enjoy the past, remembering it. We're meant to live in the present, but the, but the future, we don't belong there. So obviously we have to be good stewards of our time and we have to plan carefully and so that we're not we're providing for ourselves in the future, but we're not to worry about it. I think that just, that ruins life. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if you've read the book, Ray Dalio's uh, principles, but it's a, it's a great book. I'm, you know, it's a 500 and something page book. So for me, that's tough, but uh, I'm, you know, 150 pages in and he talks about the principles of work and life and just that balance. And, and it, it, he talks about making your choices out of logic and not emotions. And so when you talked about mind, minding your life, it made me think of that because those principles, I mean, I, I just wrote one down, I'm starting a log and he said, start a log. And then you can go back to that log throughout your lifetime to help you make better decisions uh, for your life. So, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. and then you talk, we talked about worry. Let's talk about fear for a second. I mean, have you yeah. been a person that, uh, was fearful of success or, or fearful of failure or any of those things in your life? Yes, I have. In fact, um, the whole worry thing, again, being self-employed for 40 years, there are times people used to say to me, we're so impressed with you. Up until 2009, people would say to me, you've been self-employed your entire life? What do you do about insurance? And I said, I said, I buy it. I buy it, right? <laughs> you know, nobody gives it to me. Right. I have to buy it. You know, we're all buy. And uh, I buy some, about that. That's right. I buy some of your insurance too, by the way. Right. So, 
uh, yeah, I have to buy my insurance. Well, what do you do about this? Well, I have to, you know, I, this is the way it's done when you're self-employed. It's, it's difficult. Wow. You must be, you must really be a man of faith because, you know, to, to be able to, to do that all, you know, for 30 years now. And I, I would say, you know, well, I feel like God's provided for us and everything is great. And, and so I'm real thankful for that. Well, here's the truth. I was booked up during those years. I was booked up a year ahead, a year ahead where I, where I would look and go, I don't need to get a single booking for a year. Uh, If I don't get one more booking this year, financially, we're in great shape. That's the way it was for years. It was like that. And it wasn't anything I did except to do good work. Um, I just, I just got booked up and I was so thankful for that. Well, 2008 came along and the economy just dropped off the map. And all of a sudden I came up to January and I looked at it and there's not a booking. I don't have a, I don't have a single booking this month. Mm. And I would feel my, my chest just be constrict, you know, like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do here? And I'd look out and I would, you know, I'd realize I only have a half a dozen bookings until the spring. And it was, it was really frightening. And it began, it became debilitating. Now I can't say that I actually had panic attacks, but I can say it made my life miserable because that's all I thought about was what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I had to just retrain my mind to go, I am not going to do that. I am not going to worry about, about the, the, the past. My, I've had 30 years now where I've been taken care of and I'm just going to trust that if I continue to do good work, things will come back and I'll be okay. Right. Now, here's the truth. And, and I'm sure a lot of your business friends that you talk to will tell you it never really came back the way it was. It, it, there's a new normal in, in the world these days. Yeah. I mean, we're, we, don't, we don't live where we did back then. So, I mean, things have changed, but I've adjusted to that. And I go, you know what? I can, for years, for years, my wife and I were, were, were saying, we have to figure out a way to slow down here. We have to figure out some time for ourselves. We need to figure out. And we were always trying to do that through the years. We've done a pretty good job of balancing that and saying, okay, we're, I'm not going to work during this month at all. We're going to just go. And we're going to do this uh, because that's really, really important. I think that's more, more important than anything else. Yeah. But uh, now all of a sudden I had all this time available. And, and, and frankly, if I hadn't had so much time available in the last couple of years, I would not have been able to sit down and think about all of this creativity stuff and how can I teach this and how can I, how can I leave this to people? Because, because it's taken a tremendous amount of time to do that. Yeah. And I think the, the learning there is, is you took something that not necessarily was great and you've turned it into something good. And now, you know, and we'll talk about what you're doing. We'll talk about your website and all that stuff. And, but how you're, you're training and you're teaching and you're coaching other people. And I think that's what's, uh, that's what's phenomenal that came out of that. But, and where I always go with this fear question is, and I appreciate you being transparent with that, but how many of the fears have actually come true to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? Oh, not one, not one. No. So, uh, yeah, again, so that's, that's the point of that. And so when you look back, I mean, what would you tell the Bob of, of 20 years ago, what would you tell the 45 year old Bob? I would have told him just keep doing your work. Keep doing your good work. Keep your eyes open. Do not worry about tomorrow at all. Worry about today. You have today. And I would say, be thankful for this 
day. We have to look into the future. We have to project a bit. I mean, just to be responsible people, we have to project a bit. But when we project out there for a few moments and we realize, oh boy, I don't have the work I thought, or this could, oh man, that that deal didn't come through. You know, that merger I thought was going to happen or that big sale didn't happen. What are we going to do now? Okay. So you, you look at that, you realize, yep, that's a reality. That didn't happen. But now be thankful for today. We have today. We don't know. My goodness. We don't know. You don't know you're going to be alive tomorrow morning. And uh, when you get to be my age, that, that becomes even more apparent because I've had friends who have spent their life wondering what's going to happen. No idea that they're not there the next day. You know, so this happens. I think gratitude and thanks in our life is so, so important. I think that has that helps keep us focus. So the more grateful we can be, the more thankful we can be for the many, many gifts that we have in our life. Um, Whoever we are, we have something to be thankful for. And I think that gratitude point is I've tried to make it a habit over the last probably, gosh, 12 to 18 months is, you know, sometimes you can wake up and you're on that roller coaster of being an entrepreneur, right? Being self-employed. I've been the same way my whole career. I've never been employed. And, uh, you know, so you have those roller coasters And so you could wake up or even in the afternoon, but if you ever try, just for those listening, try to be mad and have gratitude at the same time. It's impossible. Yeah, (laughs) It's absolutely impossible, right? So that's one of the things for me I've been able to do is if I'm in that mood, start to sit down. It's literally, I'm pointing to it right now. It's a a brown journal I've got on my coffee table in my office. I'll just go right in that what I'm thankful for. Yeah, Totally changes the mood of the day. You bet. And, you know, not not to not to uh, make this a religious podcast here, but I, I will just say this. For me, it does have something to do with a faith in a God. And I found myself going when I was worrying, when I would feel this, my chest constricting, I would say, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I over and over and over and over again because I didn't know what else to do. And like any habit, it took about three weeks to begin to feel a change. That's and it does take. This is interesting. And the same, I learned this in working all my creativity stuff. We've always heard it takes three weeks to to uh, form a habit. Mm-hmm. It actually does. It takes three weeks to form a new neural pathway in its completion. Three weeks. It's not a strong neural pathway though, so you have to repeat that for a couple more cycles. So when you get to two or three months, it becomes a very strong habit. And at some point in, maybe six months after I began doing this, I realized I'm not worrying anymore. I am not worrying. I I knew that I had changed my mind. I had changed my behavior with this habit that I created. And I thought to myself, I wonder if I can make myself worry about that stuff I was worrying about a few months ago. And so I tried. I, 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 I actually tried to do that again. And after, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes of thinking of all the darkness that was in the future, I realized, oh yeah, I could do that. Yeah, exactly. You start to feel you got to have that. That you talked about yeah. that faith too, right? Is is uh, when you feel your chest kind of constricting a little bit. Yep. Is, uh, okay, I, I'm. I didn't have a heart attack the last time that happened, but in the moment That's you feel right. like it, right? I could worry about this again. I could start all over again because the neural pathway is still there. Right. But you make a choice. Which direction do you want to yeah. go? Do you want to be grateful for today, or do you want to worry about tomorrow? Because as you said, you can't do both. I like that. Do you want to be grateful for today or worry about tomorrow? It's a choice. And so that leads us into the circuit of success to where we'll talk about, you know, the four circuits, if you will. And so that first one is attitude. So when you hear that word, I say attitude, what comes to mind? 
I guess what comes to mind is gratitude. Once again, I think that's the most gratitude is the most important attitude that we can have. But you can be a poet right there too. So, I mean, you're a writer. You might as well have an attitude with gratitude. Uh, So talk about your beliefs. I mean, what would you say the core beliefs to Bob Stromberg to your core? Nobody will ever change your mind on this. This is what it takes to be successful. What is that? Being true to yourself, finding your own voice. I have to be who I am. I cannot try to be someone else. I've discovered this. First of all, it it is that belief in myself that I have to be who I am made to be. That's what led me to my career. But even once I found my career, I discovered many times I would find myself in situations where somebody hiring me would say to me, we want you to be like this. And I would go, you know what? I can't be that person you're asking me to be. I can't, I can't do that. I have to be me. And if that's not good enough, then you won't hire me again. But th- that's the way it well, is. I think it's critically important too, because you know, I know in my early days, I would take experienced advisors out and it's like, okay, they said this and it worked. And then I'd go try to say that, but it wasn't my personality. And that, that just doesn't work. And I yep. found that the, the truer I was to who Brett Gilliland is, the, the better off I became. So Absolutely. I would 100% agree yep. with that. And then what actions? So let's, let's look back on, you know, day one uh, to even the 2008, 2009 timeframe. What are the actions that you had to take every single day to make sure the, the gigs are booked, to make sure you're making the phone calls, to do the things you need to do? What were those actions? Those actions were acting to actually do those actions to, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. The number of people say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a songwriter, you know? Oh, really? Uh, what have you written? Well, I, uh, you know, I haven't written anything recently. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, (laughs) Oh, and, but I hear that all the time from people that they say, this is who I am, but then they don't, they don't do who they are. In 2008, 2009, it was, well, what needs to be done? But is there something that needs to be done that we aren't doing? What are those things? All right, let's figure out, let's write them down, log, put them in the log there, write them down. Let's go at that list. Let's start doing what needs to be done. I need to talk to this person. This needs to be put in place. That fell apart. I need to put that back together and actually disciplining myself to do the work. So discipline is maybe discipline is the word. Uh, to describe that action and gratitude is the attitude. Discipline is the, uh, is the word to describe. And that action too. You're, you're right. I mean, you got, I always say, you know, uh, and you're up in in Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. So you understand hockey, right? And so if I have the best slap shot in the world, uh, but I can't skate, how good of a hockey player am I going to be? That's right. right. That's and right. so, hey, just because you know how to do a slap shot, you got to take action. You got to learn. You got to become better. So that's yep. great. So yep. uh, and you can always become you can always improve upon what you're doing. You can always become better. It never it never ends. Um, I, I often feel sorry for pe- for uh, young people out in Hollywood uh, or young comics, for example, I, I, I watch who have tremendous success in their 20s. And I go, oh, man, that's going to be tough for them. Yep. Because how do you ever match that again? And what does it mean to for them to keep going? For me, I started at a point and things just kept, I kept getting better and better and better and better and better. Honestly, Brett, I say this with humility, but I, at 65, I feel like, and I've been busy, I've been busy all these years, but at 65, I realize I feel like I've just figured all this out. Mm. 
<laughs> I feel like I've just gotten really good at what I do. And that to me has been, I mean, I, I feel blessed because of that, because um, it, it's been an uphill the whole way, but I feel like I'm finally good at it. It's at yeah, well, let, let me talk about this. This wasn't one of my questions I was going to ask, but as you say that, I mean, I love your passion. I love your energy. You can feel it, you know, through a, through a microphone and a computer. And uh, so one, I appreciate that. Right. And, and so to us, I'm, I'm in my, I'm just turned 40. So to us in our thirties and our forties and our fifties, I mean, what, what advice would you give us to keep that passion alive and to keep growing? Because quite frankly, you know, we, we meet with uh, the folks in their sixties and seventies all the time doing what we do. And there's a lot of people that are kind of winding down, if you will. And I'm not experiencing that from you at all. And that's very inspiring. No, the only thing that's winding down, perhaps, is you realize you have to adjust to your to energy. I mean, I'm I'm in good shape. I'm I'm not, you know, I weigh 180 pounds. So I mean, I'm in good shape that way. So it's it's not, but but physically uh, and mentally, emo- everything changes with with age. It just does. Sure. It just changes. And so you want to you have to be aware of those things as you're going. Um, I'm doing. I was telling you about tonight. I'll be in this this show, Triple Espresso, that I that uh, two of my buddy comic buddies and I wrote uh, 23 years ago now, mm-hmm. and we still have. There's not been a year that we haven't done it uh, for an extended run. Um, and I'm telling people every night we have a curtain speech and I, and one of my, my partners says, um, we've been doing this for 23 years and the audience claps. And I said, this show didn't used to be about three old guys, um, which is, is absolutely true. We were, we were your, I was 42 when we wrote the show and started doing it around the country and around the world. And here we are 23 years later. And I'm realizing you know, I feel different at the end of the night. Yeah. Uh, my body feels different. So, you know, I, what would I say to somebody your age? I would say everybody should begin to key into this uh, creative gift, which we all have. I really think people, I think it's so easy to start to th- just to focus on money uh, and just to focus on, I've got to figure out a way to provide for my family. I mean, I still feel those things and my family is all grown and gone and they're all doing great. I still feel those things in myself, but I think it's so important that in all that we do, we're involved in the creative process because that never goes away. That is what gives us joy in our and in, in fulfillment in our, in our lives and our business. I really believe yeah. that. So uh, it's probably your least favorite question. Uh, I would I would assume this would be: Can you give us some of your triple espresso, your your deal you wrote twenty three years ago? It's been seen by over 2 million people around 60 cities from L.A. to London. Um, You guys have had a phenomenal run with this thing. Can you give us a little piece of that? Um, Don't you hate that, right, when a guy says, tell me a joke. (laughs) <laughs> well, there aren't any. It's a, there aren't any jokes in it. Oh. That's the problem. It, I tell people a triple espresso is, and I really I believe this. Triple espresso is the most that somebody can laugh in two hours, and we experience that every, every night when That's we do awesome. the show. Um, I mean, every night I have now done this show thirty five hundred times. Wow. Uh, it's it's a full two act play. We began it in '96. We opened in the downtown uh, Minneapolis at a theater there um, for six weeks, thinking, uh, hoping that we would only lose our shirts and not our homes. I mean, that was because we'd invested in this thing. Can can this? What are we doing? Are we out of our minds to rent a theater for six weeks? And in the first three weeks, we realized, oh my gosh, we've got a hit here. 
And uh, so w- while we were doing the show at night, we were re- recasting it with three new guys during the day because we realized we can't stop the show. And we had to go on to another theater that we, a friend of ours had a theater in, in San Diego. So uh, who had invited us to come for nine weeks. So we recast it in town thinking, I don't know if these guys can keep it going or not, but we'll try. Um, and then we went to San Diego. Unbelievable. Those were our first two shows. The, the show in Minneapolis uh, ran for 13 and a half years without stopping. The show in San Diego ran for 11 years without stopping. Both are, are records so by that's, three that's times. That's probably going to be unheard of. It's absolutely yeah. unheard of. It was, it was a theater phenomenon. And we remember the days, and this isn't happening now. Uh, we'll probably have, we might have 100 people there tonight on a, on a Friday night at the show, you know, which is, which is uh, just fine. We're not in the, it, you know, it, it, 23 years and it's a, it's a different sure. thing. But we, re- we remember when there were, were crowds wrapped around the block to get tickets um, for, for one time for 11 weeks, uh, you couldn't buy a ticket to our show in San Diego. Wow. So it, it's been, to, it, it, those numbers you read are, are actually uh, old numbers. It's been to over 70 cities now. We were in the West End of London for a while. We were in Dublin, Ireland for two years with, with either with us or with other casts. And, um, and we had some really, really good years uh, with that wow. as well. But I can't do I can't right. do Right, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> so tell us about yeah. what you're doing now. I mean, tell us about you, your website. So listeners are out there and they, they want to find yeah. more about Where do we find you? You bet. Well, bobstromberg.com is a really easy place to to look. And in fact, I'm going to put together a uh, a page just for your listeners, which will be bobstromberg.com forward slash circuit of success. And there um, there's information about, in fact, there's a, there's a free 30 minute training video there on this whole process of, of mastering the craft of creativity. Um, by the way, that GIT, that's an acronym. I say, this is how you get your masters of creativity. You grab, you interrogate, you transform. So I have a 30 minute training video there. It's free. I have a, a, there's a fun creativity quiz. It takes about two minutes. Um, and it's entitled, are you as creative as Steve Martin? And probably most of your people feel they already know the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, I'm saying no <laughs> to myself right now, but hey, I never know. That's right. But it's a, it's a fun a fun quiz. Um, and there's also information there on the course itself. Uh, Mastering the Craft of Creativity is a six-week deal. It drips out one week at a time. Um, there's, there's a, a dozen hours of video, lots of exercises. There's a, there's a community of people uh, who have taken the course who continue to be involved in with other new students that come in. And it's a very, very exciting teaching that process of grabbing, interrogating, transforming, developing that neural pathway. And so well, I'm, I'm there right now, bobstromberg.com forward slash circuit of success. And it looks beautiful. So thank you for doing that for our listeners. You bet. A you ton bet. of value out of that. And Bob, it's been absolutely uh, great having you on the circuit of success podcast thank you brett i appreciate it so much tune in next week for another episode of the circuit of success with brett gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network subscribe to the show on itunes google play stitcher and through our website circuitofsuccess.com follow us on facebook and twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.